Hello. This episode, I've been told, had some technical difficulties in it, which means that occasionally some microphones went out. Our producers managed to clean up most of it because they're the real heroes here. But at the end of the day, you may experience a few points where things drop out and you think you've screwed up your headphone cable or something and you start jiggling and then you end up breaking your foot. Don't do any of that. Just keep listening. It'll all work out. Everything's going to be fine. Welcome to Thinking Like a Lawyer, with your hosts, Ellie Mistal and Joe Patrice, talking about legal news and pop culture, all while thinking like a lawyer, here on Legal Talk Network. Hello, welcome to another edition of Thinking Like a Lawyer. I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and with me, sitting right next to me, on the same microphone, and probably getting me sick, is my colleague, Ellie Mistal. If I'm sick, it's because I've been around a bunch of five-year-olds for the past couple of weeks as I go to private school visit after private school frickin' visit with these disgusting little humans. Yeah, I mean, okay. That's what I'm grinding my gears about today. Do you expensive private schools are. Look, I moved into a nice, towny suburb of New York City. When I moved in, the public school rating in my area was an eight, which is fine. Eights are fine. They're five. What's What do you need for, what do you need more than an eight for a kindergarten? But we've been there for a couple of years, and because of various political changes at the top, my schools are now rated a four, which means I don't get to have free education for my children. I now have to go to the private school route. I'm looking at $20,000 schools. I'm looking at $50,000 schools. It's absolutely ridiculous. How, I, there's no way a person can afford that on a middle-class salary. Um, you should go to the public school. What the hell is wrong with you? No, it, it, it's a four because dumb people are paying their taxes and then sending their kids to private schools anyway. You are now becoming the problem. No, it's a four because the white people... My dumb black ass supposed to have my kids be the only one in that school? No. If all the white people are leaving, my kids are going to have to go with the white people, don't they? Why does my kid have to be the freaking liberal test case on this? It doesn't have it doesn't have to be that way. It just public schools are good, and you are removing a child of a quadruple Harvard degree from a school system where they could actually help out folks, and you're doing it without the ability to spend money. Like, you're sitting here complaining about how expensive it is when you don't have to spend it. Help out. That's right. That's right, Elliot's kid. Go help out some of the other kids. Don't worry about your own future. Go help somebody else out. They're not good. They're four. That's what the, the ratings thing. I do ratings online for, by the way, the Above the Law law firm rankings just came out, if you'd like to check them out. I do rankings online for, like, a living. I know what a four means. A four means bad. Go away. Yeah, you do some mediocre rankings. I get that. Um, listen, you're just so far wrong on this, and you're the reason why the school systems are bad. And, you know, it's okay. If you want to live as the reason why we have school system problems in this country and spend extra money doing it, by all means, you should go ahead and do that. By the way, wait, what are we talking about today from the guy who doesn't have any children? I forgot to bring that up while you were yelling at me. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm a, I'm a person who's here and has, you know, a top flight legal education. And I got it by only going to public schools all the way up. So I think that's that's where I was coming in on this. NYU is a public school? What? 
yeah, no, what the hell are you talking about? I, got, I went to public schools throughout, all the way through college even, which even there is where people start going to private schools. But no, I did the whole thing. Because, you know, I'm a good person who was able to show that intelligence can succeed no matter where the school is. But, you know, by all means, lose $50,000 a year. What are we talking about today? Well, you actually know what we're talking about today, but you made it as inconvenient for me as possible by forcing me to lean back in when you already had the mic in front of you. But we're talking about the Academy for Private Practice, which we just concluded in Philadelphia last week. Uh, it's the Above the Law event of the year to talk about small law firms and technology and to bring together kind of thought leaders in all those areas to chat. And so we thought we'd bring in David Latt, who works with us here at Above the Law, and we'd just kind of, as a threesome, talk about the event that was. So, hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Great to be here. I have listened to the podcast for a long time. It's uh, great to uh, be on. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, ATL app in Philly. Lat, where were some of the highlights for you? Well, I was really impressed by the theme of how technology can level the playing field between uh, law firms, uh, small and large. I think usually you imagine law firms that are huge, you know, so-called big law firms having a tremendous advantage over boutiques. But now, thanks to a lot of technological solutions that were discussed and demoed at the conference, uh, small firms, as long as they have the uh, brain power, which you were just chatting about, uh, can go toe-to-toe -to -toe, uh, with some of the uh, big firms, as long as they have the right tools. What kind of lawyer do you think makes for a good boutique lawyer as opposed to a good big law lawyer? You know, both of our experiences are in big law. Joe has the experience of being in big law and then also being in a boutique firm. Is there anything about the kind of person you are that kind of, in your mind, makes you more suited for one versus the other? Uh, I guess I would, you know... I would say yes and no in terms of big law and boutiques being different. I think the difference is people who have their own small firms need to be more entrepreneurial, need to think more like business people in a way. They can't just focus on practicing law and delegate the business stuff to other people. The uh, panel about uh, boutiques competing with uh, Andrew Dick, Carolyn Elephant, Gaston Krub, all three of them actually have side businesses in addition to their practices. So I think the main difference is when you have your own firm, when it's your name on the door, you have to be more entrepreneurial, you have to probably take more risks, and you have to think about uh, the bottom line and the business. Where I think there is no difference is at the end of the day, you have to be a good lawyer. You have to have good judgment. You have to have the trust of your clients. And that's true no matter what firm you work at. Yeah. I mean, from my experience of working in a boutique, even though it wasn't, I was working there as an associate and wasn't my name on the door or anything, but there are some different features that you need to look to. Obviously, the partners have to have that entrepreneurial spirit. But even as an associate, you have to kind of approach it differently because you need to stop You need to stop thinking uh, of the easy way out and start thinking of the smart way out. There's a lot of times in big law you could say, this thing needs to get done. Well, I'll just send that to word processing overnight and have 100 people typing away to make that. You, you can't do that. So you've got to start thinking about what tools there are to make you better at getting the things processed and turned because you actually are the one who has to do everything now, not just one part of a machine. One of the panels I thought was most interesting was the one about uh, cybersecurity. 
Um, we were talking a lot about the cloud and the benefits of putting your documents in the cloud versus the risks. From a discretionary perspective, do you think that, you know, you're a bit more old school, you certainly understand how critically important reputation management is. Do you think that the cloud um, technologies have progressed to the point where it's uh, kind of smart, intelligent lawyers can trust it with their client confidences? Oh, absolutely. This was one of the points made in that panel by uh, Jeff Bennion, one of our technology columnists. The physical world can be essentially, quote unquote, hacked as well. He talked about a case where one of his colleagues had this office broken into and had some files go missing. Another law firm that he worked with had a flood and their files were destroyed. So in some ways you could argue the cloud, especially if properly backed up, can be safer than uh, physical file storage. You just have to be very careful about the security. This was something that Larry Port of Rocket Matter discussed when he was talking about how you manage your passwords, how you don't use obvious passwords, how you use different passwords for different accounts. There are also password management services that you can use. Just be sure to remember the password for the password management service because <laughs> they will not give it back to you even if you enter the name of your pet or what have you because that's the whole point of the password manager. It's extra, extra secure. Uh, so there are a lot of great solutions out there. And in some ways, we may reach a point someday where it could be malpractice not to use the cloud. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's certainly what I was hearing when I was talking with folks was that the cloud, if it's properly managed, and there are some criteria that you should look for if you're looking to move your stuff into the cloud. And all of that you can actually hear. I'm going to make the plug. Also, with the Legal Talk Network, we have a show called On the Road, which we recorded several episodes of while we were at App. And one of them was on this precise panel, this cybersecurity panel. So you can hear the speakers actually explain all of these details there, too. Joe, I wanted to give some re our readers some context of Philly. Uh, last episode on this, I think we talked to uh, Steve Silver when we were kind of learning more about the Philly market. Lat, what were your impressions of Philly as a, as a place of business? Well, uh, we didn't really get out too much, uh, but I'm very fond of Philly. Uh, I like that. I feel it has a nice blend of history, but also cosmopolitanism. Uh, it is steeped in history. We were actually right just steps away from the uh, site of the first Supreme Court before it moved down to that huge marble building in Washington. Uh, we were steps away from where the Constitution was signed. So it was inspiring to be there. Or annoying. I mean, I was so I'm so I'm sitting there. It's a, it's near eleven o'clock at night. I'm outside smoking a cigarette, minding my own business, and this freaking bell starts ringing. I belatedly realize it's the Liberty Bell. Wait, does the Liberty Bell ring? It was at Independence. No, we were right next to Independence Hall. I think the, the Liberty Bell doesn't ring. It has a big crack in it. That's well, whatever the bell they have ringing now in Independence Hall. That's what the hotel concierge told me as I was bitching about the fact that they were going to make that bell ring eleven freaking times. Who does that in the middle of the night? most places with bell towers. So if I go to like Austin at 11 o'clock, there's going to be a bell up my butt 11 times at 11 o'clock at night. I think that one just plays like the Texas fight song or something. I can't remember. Probably. The stars at night. I mean, I think I remember... If I recall the earlier discussion, you guys were somewhat, or your guest, you guys were somewhat critical of Philly, I think, if I'm recalling. But I think there's a lot to be said for it. I think you can get a sophisticated practice, but also the intimacy of a friendly bar where people know each other. It's not like New York where people won't see each other again, and so they can treat each other terribly. No, actually, those were kind of the points that were made on that podcast. To the extent we said anything critical was that, obviously, the industries involved that, like, your primary client base slightly different. So mm -hmm. you end up with a lot more more plaintiff side work 
there than you would in necessarily in New York is kind of what we found because a lot of the multi-district litigation flows through there, which is mm. something we learned while we were talking to them. Um, on Thursday of App, and I know you weren't there for it, but we did have a media training panel. Um, Joe, you were there for that. What do you think some of the big uh, takeaway points were from the media training? Yeah, I mean, most of that panel was pretty good. You were on the panel, so you were also on the panel. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so we, yeah, and we also have a on-the-road episode about this. But um, I thought that panel was interesting. It was really kind of a reaching out with both journalists, specifically you and Monica Bay, as well as kind of the PR perspective, too, all trying to explain to a room full of largely tech-based vendor service folks who help law firms succeed, explaining to them kind of how to tell their story, what they need to do to get their their product out and in the most favorable light when dealing with the media. One of the things that I was trying to do on that during my bit on that panel uh, was just really highlight some of the bad pitches and some of the ways to kind of not approach media people. Um, I was you know telling people, for instance, don't generally try to get me on the phone because really only people I owe money to call me on the phone. So that's a no-no. And, you know, and, and try to have an understanding of if you have a product or you have a service that you're trying to get media to pay attention to, try to understand the news cycle of the media that you're trying to get in front of, right? If you understand the kinds of things that I'm looking for as an editor, as that Lat's looking for as an editor, we're much more likely to read your email if your pitch is coming to us in our news cycle as opposed to against our news cycle. You know, I will say a word in defense of the phone. I generally don't like cold calls, uh, but if there is a source I know who is trusted and important who calls me or leaves a voicemail because nobody ever picks up their phone and says, this is important, call me back, often it is. But I think the source has to not be the boy or girl who cried wolf and say everything is important. Uh, you can call me when something is uh, truly important, and I'm happy to hop on the phone for something like that. But if it's you hired some random partner from another firm, well, you don't need to call me about that because we may not necessarily do a full story on that. Yeah, when... When your firm is going bankrupt, that's when you call David, is what I'm Well, hearing. you know, I used the phone uh, when Don Verrilli and uh, a couple of others uh, moved over uh, to Munger Tolls. That was a good story. I got to talk to Ron Olson by phone. Uh, so sometimes the phone is very efficient rather than going back and forth over email, but uh, it should be used judiciously. Yeah, I think that's right. So I guess now since... We've kind of talked a lot about what was going on in app. Uh, I've done my plug for On the Road episodes. Also, if you follow Above the Law on Facebook, you could watch our Facebook Lives. We did a few interviews with some people there through that medium. So now I think maybe we can just talk about like Above the Law since we're all here, which we haven't we haven't ever had the three of us here. So Above the Law, like talk about that. Just give the readers some sense of uh, what we're doing. The listeners, yes, the listeners <laughs> who uh, inevitably are also readers because they're highly, highly classy individuals. But I think, yeah, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to kind of talk about our day, our process, that sort of thing. Today, for instance, I'll kick off. My day began with finding out that there was yet another firm that gave salary increases, which uh, thank you to whoever the anonymous tipster was who told me that, because that's the sort of news that we rely on all of you out there to let us know, because we are a small operation as far as human power, and we don't have folks out there cold calling to get news stories. So we need those tipsters. So thanks a lot for that. 
Yeah, no, I think that's a fine example of the type of work that we do here at Above the Law. We want to enlighten and we want to entertain. And I think those are our, our twin missions. On the enlightenment front, I think one of the major things we do is provide information to people to help them make uh, better career choices, whether it's our law school and law firm rankings, uh, the law firm rankings Ellie mentioned are now out, whether it is information about compensation, benefits, uh, which practice areas are strong at a given firm, lawyers moving from one place to another. Uh, we try to help our readers make smart decisions about their careers because this is a challenging time to be a lawyer and there's not really a big margin for error. Every day for the past, let's say, three weeks, my day has begun basically by opening up the New York Times or the Washington Post homepage, reading through and trying to figure out which presidential candidate said the most illegal thing <laughs> that day, and then going from there. It's been a pretty fast news cycle on that, too. You know, people keep complaining about the election. I don't know when people will be listening to this about, oh, I can't wait till it's over. But I do wonder, do you think we're going to miss this epic election when it's done, despite all the complaining with everyone? I'm sick of Trump. I'm sick of Hillary. I think we might miss this election. No, no, <laughs> I will not. I will not miss. I will not. I will not miss the feeling of of of, of really like, you know, looking at the map every day and trying to figure out if like. 18 white people in Florida are going to make my kid have to grow up in Trump's universe. Like, that's that's not a good feeling to wake up with every day. Well, this episode's actually going to go up uh, about a week from when we're recording it, which means it'll be post-election day, but, you know, only three or four days into the discussion of recounts and <laughs> the beginning of legal arguments. So, <laughs> Also, like, as soon as the election is, uh, like, from a pure journalism perspective and from a pure clicks perspective. I'm obviously enjoying the kind of traffic uptick that the election brings. I don't think that that's going away anytime soon, not just because of Joe's joke about recounts and lawsuits, which absolutely could happen. But as soon as we get through this, we're going to be in a, into a confirmation fight or at least another mm -hmm. confirmation obstruction fight. So I think that's coming down the pipe. Um, and then at some point, we'll get back to the I mean, one of the things that people have forgotten is that over the past two years, we have been in total gridlock, right? And so one can still hope that whoever wins, we might be in a situation in 2017 where the actual business of the country is being conducted again, at which case more laws are being passed, more regulations are being uh, promulgated, and that's all potential stories for us. So I'm not so much worried from a traffic perspective about the election going away. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it'll be good. It'll be good to talk about something else. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty much all I had to say on that subject. Well, so we've covered pretty much everything we intended to get through here. If you are a longtime listener, or even if this is your first time listening, you should be subscribed to us through iTunes or whatever your preferred podcast delivery service is. Uh, you should give reviews there because the better, the more and better reviews, more engagement, basically, the better Apple considers, if you're using iTunes, other people, if you're using other services, the better they consider it and they move it up the search rankings, makes it easier for more people to find us and get our story out there. If you want to download the Legal Talk Network app, you could also do that. And that way you can listen to all the Legal Talk Network's offerings, including On the Road, which is the 
traveling edition for the conferences that the Legal Talk Network goes to, including the one that we talked about today, where there are some good episodes. I mean, I think they're all brilliant since I hosted some of them. Uh, and with that, I think uh, I think we're ready. We'll talk to you in some future instance. Oh, it was just brought to my attention that here we can actually follow on this. This is a gift for anybody who listened through my uh, closing statements. So next week, uh, when this comes out, it'll be uh, Love Your Lawyer Day. <laughs> really? Yeah. They have a whole day for that? Oh, no, they do. I wrote a whole story about yeah, how Yeah, making fun it of it, yeah. I think. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no, wait. No, it's actually Friday, I guess. But um, it'll be between now and uh, when this comes out. So we'll have had the horrible holiday that, uh, that we all dread. But, hey, maybe somebody will take pity on us that day. I don't know. <laughs> It's a, is it like sexually harass your lawyer? Day? Like, what are you talking about? No, it's about it's about recognizing how important we are to the service of the world. Oh, yeah, it's God. stupid. <laughs> yeah. Let's never speak of this again. <laughs> All right. Well, on, on that note, we will now end talk to you in a future episode of Thinking Like a Lawyer. Thank you. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. You can also find us at AboveTheLaw.com, ATLRedline.com, iTunes, RSS, Twitter, and Facebook. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.